Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. Now, I know if this is your first time tuning into the show, right? whether that be on Rumble, BitChute, YouTube, if that's possible to find the show there and get past all the censorship. Uh, but if you're watching the show for the first time, you're looking at me and going, wow, what a slob. Yes, yes, yes. I'm recording this on Sunday night. I got a late start on my laundry. I know I look disheveled. I really don't care. I, I, I've i stopped, you know, caring so much about how I look on camera. Speaking of which, yes, I know the green screen. I can't get a perfect chroma key going. Is The lighting just will not work for me, even as I get extra lighting. You know, if I get enough lighting to light up the green screen, then it over brightens me. And then I got to try and do all types of color corrections and it doesn't look the best. So I'm trying to think of what I can do to get rid of the green screen. But the problem is it's a boring brick wall behind me. You know, I picked the one spot of the house that the kids haven't taken over, which means it's just a boring big, uh, brick wall. And I'm not that much of a decorator to figure out how to make it visually unboring. All right. But hopefully for the mo- majority of you, you're tuning in for the content. All right. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and dive into the show. So a report has come out here about rising hate crime uh, coming uh, in America. Right. You know, hate crime is on the rise. And I was watching the reports on this, especially uh, what is it? CBS News, you know, going through and trying to talk about this report, you know, because hate crimes are specifically on the rise for anti-Asian hate crime. And as I was watching that, I noticed something strange, something strange about the reporting. And let's see if you catch it. Here it is. A new report confirms that hate crimes against the Asian community have surged across several of the nation's major cities. The data comes from California State University San Bernardino Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism. It found a 169% increase in anti-Asian hate crimes in 15 cities during the first quarter of 2021. New York saw the biggest jump at 223%. The state recorded 42 hate crimes against people of Asian descent compared to just 13 during the same period last year. Experts say anti-Asian rhetoric during the pandemic has fueled the surge in these types of crimes. Why these crimes may be concentrated in these particular areas? Well, I think, you know, um, these numbers may actually underestimate what's going on across the country. Um, Clearly, a lot of people are scared. They don't know where they need to turn to when these types of crimes happen. And so I do think that this is just really kind of the tip of the iceberg of what we're seeing across the United States. Um, In terms of why um, New York City, Los Angeles, the big cities are kind of the concentration of a lot of these crimes, uh, well, one several factors are at play, one being the population density, the high visibility of Asian Americans. Um, For example, in New York, they're about 15% of the population. Now, did you catch it? There was actually several things in that report that jumped out at me and, you know, really caught my attention. First off, they're talking about a huge surge in hate crimes against the Asian community. And that huge surge amounts to less than 50 people. Right. So uh, that's the first thing. I mean, seriously, you got less than 50 Asians being attacked in hate crimes. I'm not trying to belittle the issue a little bit, but 
I'm sure they are the racial group that experiences the least amount of hate crimes in this country. I mean, I'm sure the black community, uh, the Hispanic community, and yes, we here in the white community are looking at this and going less than 50, really? That low? I mean, any little spike seems like it's a huge jump if you go by percentages when it's that low. But beyond that, do you notice the location of where these hate crimes are surging? You know, it's all liberal cities. In fact, they use New York, and you know it's all liberal areas because the media, as dishonest as they are, if they could find one Republican area in which anti-Asian hate crimes were going up, you know that would be the city they would call out in their report. But instead, they had nothing but left-wing cities to choose from. So instead of naming all the cities, you know, giving the full list of all the liberal areas uh, in which hate crime is going up, they just give one New York and then try to, you know, get not talk about the rest if you know if they can find just one republican area where hate crimes are on the rise they would have named that area but they couldn't they couldn't find one area right so you got those two things going on yes it's low to begin with but where it is starting to rise is all left-wing cities are we really surprised about that no Left wing, uh, you know, ideology is all based off of intolerance, anger, blaming everybody. And identity politics is all about telling people that only people who look like you are your same gender and have your same sexual preferences. Those are the only people you can trust. Anybody not in that box with you is an existential threat to you. Therefore, you must go off and attack them. You must, you know, defend yourself against them because those people being any bit different from you is a threat to you. You know, they're intolerant. But it's also interesting here when they go off and they try to say, well, what's responsible? And they say demographics, you know, more densely populated area. Now, okay, I can understand where, you know, maybe, you know, the fact that you know, there's a higher Asian uh, population as a percentage of the population would be an area in which there are more anti-Asian hate crimes because there's more Asians to actually target. Okay, okay, I, I will concede that particular point when pointing out that this is all happening in left-wing cities and that they couldn't find a Republican area for it. But then, when you think about it, they're actually making an argument against diversity saying that, you know, the more densely populated area you have with different groups of people, the more that there is going to be violent attacks from one group to the other group. That is basically what they are saying here. They don't mean to say it. They don't mean to say it. So they're basically saying left-wing cities are intolerant. Therefore, the more densely packed left-wing cities are, the more violence and hate crimes you're going to get. I know, I know, they're going to try and refute that. They're going to try and say, no, 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 that's not what we mean. That's not what we mean. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, then what are you talking about? You're saying that densely, just having densely populated area with diverse racial makeup naturally causes a problem? Is, is, is that your question? Is that what you are trying to say here? 
I mean, I'm just trying to go through. You reported that hate crime's on the rise. Now it's a matter of finding out why. Why are you saying the hate crime is on the rise? And why it's only on the rise in left-wing cities? Right? And so far, based off of what you have said in your report, it's densely populated areas with diverse racial makeups that have higher concentrations of hate crime. Why do you think that is? Maybe, maybe it's because of identity politics. Maybe it's because you have been preaching intolerance to all of your followers. And therefore, anything that they disagree with, it's okay for them to be violent. That's what you've been teaching them. So when you have a more densely populated area of different racial makeup groups, and those different racial uh, groups have different views on various subjects, and then you, on top of that, preach intolerance and violence to force people to submit to your views, maybe that's going to cause a problem, don't you think? Maybe, just maybe. Now, it's interesting how they try to muddy the waters and go, well, you know, we believe this could be underreported. Really? How do you, what do you base that on? You know, that is not any actual facts that you are citing. That's just pure speculation. Okay, but let's say, okay, it could be going on at, um, higher levels and being underreported. That's not impossible. You're just speculating because you don't have anything to actually point to to show us, well, how much? Are we talking about one-tenth of one percent, you know, underreported? Or are we talking about five percent underreported? Are we talking about being underreported and just the areas where it's surging? You know, but they try to muddy the waters and just try to claim, well, this is being underreported, so we don't know how much it is. But then they try to muddy the waters even more and try to get away from the fact that based off of their own reporting and suggestions is actually damaging to left-wing ideology and what they have been pushing all this time. So they have to go and say, this is a problem for the country. Not a problem for left-wing cities or pockets of the country that is dominated by the Democrats. No, 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 no. They, they, they can't just let it go at that because then people start taking a look at why is it only happening in left-wing areas? Why is it, you know, what is it about left-wing policies in those areas that are causing increases in hate crime? So they can't just have it that. So what do they do? They give to their audience, no, no, no. You know, this is a a national problem. This is just more example of the nation being racist. You know, they try to socialize the blame for all the problems of the Democrats. See, they never take responsibility for anything that they do. They never take responsibility for the results of their policies. They always try to socialize the the responsibility of left-wing policies. They try to blame. You know, when there's a failure, it's society's at fault. But if there's a success, it's only the Democrats, which I've never seen a successful Democrat policy. So I, I get, I, I've only seen them try to take credit for successful policies implemented by Republicans. Okay, 
So they try to steal credit for things that happen that are good, and then they try to nationalize, socialize, use the national we in order to spread blame about a problem. You know, so that is just kind of my takeaway uh, based off of you know the information that was being uh, reported and taking a look at the report, and you know it's just kind of interesting. Now they did try to say, well, the coronavirus, you know anti-Asian, you know, sentiment about the coronavirus, except for that's not how, you know, Republicans think, you know, that's only left-wing think, because left-wing engages in identity politics. They don't look at people as individuals. They don't look at them as American first. They look at them as groups of people, and the group trumps the citizenship, the national origin. You know, and if you were born in the United States, your national origin is the United States. You know, and so the reason why you're not seeing these hate crimes rise up in Republican-controlled areas is because Republicans look at people as individuals, not groups. We don't blame somebody for the actions of another person just because they share some immutable characteristics. That's that's not how Republicans think. That's only how Democrats think. And that's why the hate crimes are only rising in Democrat-controlled areas. Okay. So the schools, um, you know, just keep getting worse and worse. And the Democrats are trying to do more to prop the schools up to try and take away school choice from everybody because school choice means less authority from the Democrats, less authority by the Democrats. You know, so as long as you have no choice in where you send your kids to school or how you educate your kids, you know, and your only choice is the public education system and the Democrats and leftists control the Democrat, uh, public education system, they can continue to replace education with indoctrination. You know, I take a look at this, you know, taking a look at critical race theory and, you know, their gender, you know, uh, you know uh, transgender education. And I realize that this is basically just a, a rebranding of the Hitler's youth program and how he used the school to indoctrinate the youth against the Jews. Well, the same thing is going on here with critical race theory and gender. With critical race theory, they try to say the color of your skin makes you either automatically a victim who can't get anywhere in life, or you're automatically the oppressor. It doesn't matter what you, the individual, do, what you, the individual, say. Your own individual actions don't matter. Your skin color determines that you're a victim with no future or way to get ahead in the country, or that you're an oppressor. And they teach kids hate and racism and division. And they don't want you to get away from that, not in any way, shape, or form. You know, but I do have an idea of what we can do to improve the public education system. It would also reduce poverty reduce unemployment, and raise people up. 
So let's go ahead and take a look at uh, this. You know, uh, there's a reporting here, but I do want to say that there are some states now that are standing up to this racist, hateful ideology and are banning uh, critical race theory in the classroom. Hopefully, they'll also start banning this transgender movement in the classroom as well. You know, you can't say people are getting a great education and yet they can't tell the difference between a boy and a girl. Basic biology that four-year-olds used to be able to tell you with complete clarity and simplicity. You know, that's how simple the concept is. So let's go ahead and see how they are going about this and trying to teach this in the classroom. We've railed against teachers and teachers unions who put their own interests ahead of American school kids. We've also blasted the Biden-Harris administration and Democrats for their fealty to these same teachers unions and their complete abdication of the scientific method or anything that resembles it, especially when it comes to the pandemic and these school lockdowns. And that brings us to the topic of school choice. Now, most Democrats are scared to death of giving parents and students more choices when it comes to their education. And the best evidence of that is the less new push to expand public education. Joe Biden talked about that during his address this week, and they say they want to spend hundreds of billions of dollars to add two more years to our K-12 public education system. And they, what they really want to do, though, is have the government raising your kids and your grandkids. They don't trust America or parents to do this anymore. And their answer is no choice. In the taxpayer-funded Loudoun County, Virginia School District, they are pushing critical race theory, and it is tearing that community and others like it apart. And some of the, the country's most prestigious and most progressive private schools are also pushing this stuff the hardest as well. That is forcing on children racial division and discrimination disguised as, quote, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Black people are nearly six times more likely than whites to be imprisoned. And black men are killed by police at more than twice the rate of white men. All right, so that's the first video. They're, they're telling our kids, they're telling our black children that they are oppressed by white people and that it's in the system so they don't have a chance and that our good policemen are, are more apt to shoot a black man or a black woman, which is ridiculous. And some individuals prefer they as a pronoun. Like meet Orbot, they are my best friend. We got kids that can't read and write, and then we're going to teach them incorrect grammar. I mean, it's ridiculous, okay? Who, who gave permission to talk about this? We could, there's two genders. The parents, are, they're, they're already pulling their kids out of public school. They're doing homeschool options. They're going online. It's going to increase as this liberal ideology comes into our schools. This isn't a political indoctrination camp, okay? It's public education. We want to teach education, not left-wing ideas that aren't backed up by facts or science. Now, I know that clip was a little bit on the long side. I understand, but I wanted to make sure that you had the full context of what it is uh, we were going on and saying. And so, yes, we know critical race theory is a garbage, racist political ideology pushed by the left. We know that their transgender, you know, defies science and is basically trying to codify mental illness as if it is somehow normal. Okay, we understand that. They are pushing indoctrination over education for control and power. It's for the same reason why, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube push mass censorship. You know, they go through, they push a narrative, and then they censor, block out, and punish anybody 
who counters that narrative with actual facts, data, or basic common sense. You know, the, the, they can't defend their position, so they must, you know, make sure to force acceptance or be banned. And in school, they can for, they can force acceptance because, and if you don't accept it, they give you a failing grade, and then tell you that's going to damage your future going forward. It will, you know, damage your ability to go to college, which will d- limit your career options as an adult because you didn't get into the right college or the best college that you otherwise could have, and it will negatively affect you the rest of your life. So roll over, just accept this. And they're going back further and further and further to get kids at the youngest possible age in order to push this. Because as, you know, was found out uh, with the Hitler Youth Program, if you can go through and push a narrative, a false narrative, indoctrinate people from the moment their education starts, from the moment they start learning, then it, then it doesn't matter how much facts, how much evidence, how much science, and, you know, that you put in front of the person, they automatically disbelieve it. They are taught to ignore absolutely anything that disagrees with the narrative that they are told that they must believe throughout their entire life, right? And so that's why they want to go off and push this throughout the public school system. Now, the problem is, as they have been doing this, people are implementing more and more, uh, are trying to do more school choice, pulling their kids out of the public school system and going towards private schools, you know, online schools, or just flat out homeschooling. Well, this means that the Democrats' indoctrination camps aren't going to be all that effective if people aren't attending. If the only people that are attending are the kids of people who already are suckers for for this bull crap, you know, who have been indoctrinated themselves. So, you know, they need to go off and push this on, you know, from the very beginning of your education because they're trying to raise Democrats for the country and push political ideology and have that be the way they win. They can't win on the arguments. They can't win on the facts. They can't win on the science. So they have to push propaganda, you know, starting at the very earliest age and reinforce that propaganda through punishment if you don't agree or if you debate or you say, hey, that doesn't make sense. Then they go through just like what we're seeing now with deplatforming, censorship, having videos taken down posts taken down, have uh, websites taken down, just because they don't like the fact that you disagree with them and you challenge them, and when you do, they can't defend their claims. Now, I actually believe that you know the whole school choice gives us an opportunity to lift people out of poverty, not just you know because we provide a great education, but we have the opportunity to reallocate education dollars. See, one of the biggest things that Democrats fear is that the next time the Republicans get in uh, control, not only are we going to wipe a lot of this out, you know, ban this hateful stuff from the public schools and start forcing the schools to, you know, focus on education and abandon indoctrination, 
not only are we going to be focused on ending online censorship once and for all, but they fear the part where we push school choice so much that we now make it so that the education dollars follow the students and not go to the school. I mean, right now, if you pull your kids out of the public school system and you go to private school, you don't get the federal education dollars helping to fund your kids' education. If you pull them out and homeschool them, you don't get the federal dollars that would have gone to uh, the school for your kid. You know, you're just out. And what's worse is even if you homeschool and you don't have any kids in the public school, they still force you to fund the public education system, especially, you know, and on the local level through property taxes. Oh, yes, you got to, just for living in this area, you got to pay taxes to support the school, even though you've pulled your kids out of the school. So let's take a look at this. We need to, you know, get more school choice so parents can actually decide hey, I don't want my kids being taught this hateful, racist bullcrap. You know, I want my kids to get a great education. Now, imagine if the federal dollars actually follow the kids, even followed them all the way to homeschool. You know, I I, I looked this up, and in my state, you know, I looked up how much do the schools get. Now, I don't know how much of a variation there is state to state, you know, uh, between, you know, state and federal funding and local funding. You know, I, I only looked up in my area because, well, my area is all I cared about, right? So I looked it up, and it was around $13,000 a school year per child. And I got to thinking, you know, if people start doing homeschooling, you know, they are making a personal sacrifice. The person who stays home to educate their kids, whether that be the mother or the father, is making a sacrifice on their career, choosing you know to sacrifice income in order to provide a better education for their kids, so that they will succeed and have a better life than well than what they have, you know, which is the goal of every parent to set the kids up to have a better life, or at least that used to be the goal, but not if the left has their way. And then I got to thinking, well, that means they are, you know, reduced income because they're only on one income. They're probably, you know, a lot of cases, unless one of them is a very high income earner, you know, they're struggling month to month and maybe, you know, are just barely above the poverty line. You know, of course, that depends on where you put the poverty line. Maybe, you know, the one spouse that is working is only making 50000 but if the other spouse was working, maybe they were make, they would be making a hundred thousand, or you know maybe seventy, eighty thousand. You know, you know, just there's a whole variety. I mean, we could take a look at everything. Maybe together they would only be making forty thousand. I don't know. It depends on what type of job that they are doing. But imagine a family of two, or well, a family with two kids homeschooling their kids. Well, what what would happen if the education dollars follow the kids? Hmm, that means that parent, at least in my state, would have roughly about $26,000 in order to help, you know, um, cover the cost of education and, 
you know, kind of have an income to help pay for things around the house. Because I can guarantee you, based off of personal experience, that $26,000 is vastly more than what is needed to cover homeschooling and provide yet a superior education to what they are getting in the public schools. You know, uh, I take a look at, you know, all the ways, you know, we can reduce costs. We can, you know, get, you know, little science kits that we, you know, can teach them, you know, the science concepts, you know, through actual activities. You know, I can talk to you about how we, you know, vastly have increased their reading skills, reading comprehension, how their math has greatly improved. Because when we pulled them out of the public education system, our kids were behind. You know, they were falling behind in their education. And they have made more improvements since we pulled them out of the public school system. And what is coming up on one school year, you know, uh, than they had made, uh, than my oldest child had made in the previous three years combined. Now, my, you know, middle child wasn't, you know, uh, he was only at second, going into second grade when we pulled him out, but he was still falling behind already, you know, because the school doesn't have any incentives to focus on education. You know, if the kids go to the special education classes, guess what? That's more money for the school. If too many students are doing poorly, well, then they grade on the curve, lower the standard, and give them all inflated grades. You know, they have ways to get around uh, all of that. You know, so in any event, you know, you start thinking about this. Okay, $26,000, you know, uh, for a stay-at-home parent. Well, that, you know, is lifting them out of poverty. That is, you know, providing more income for the household. And that is providing all the funding needed. I mean, and if you have three kids, oh, my God. You know, you, you, you know three kids, uh, let's see here, uh, 13, uh, 26, 39. That's almost a full-time job for most people, $40,000. Now, I bet you, you know, they could easily educate all three kids, provide them a superior education, for only $10,000 for all three and still have a $30,000 income. And think about what this would do in reducing unemployment rates while also increasing the quality of education. In our homeschool, you know, uh, the resource that we use starts teaching, uh, well, we pick the classes and then we teach the classes. They give us the lesson plans, the videos, and all the resources that we need. I know I just hit the microphone. And, you know, and we are picking out classes like, for instance, they start doing economics in first grade. Could you imagine, you know, all, you know, first through 12 grades of economics, you know, teaching them how the economy works, how business works, entrepreneurship, in addition to math, reading and the likes. We get to also pick out fun uh, classes for history you know, of course, I'm probably going to focus a little bit more on my passion. I, you know, Greek and Egyptian history. So the some of the, you know, the electives you pick off of your passion. But, you know, for the, you know, but beyond the stems, you also pick a few classes that you think are critical for success in life. And it's, you know, vastly superior. Right. Now, 
Let's also say that we have the education dollars follow the students, but you know you still can't afford uh, to have one parent stay home and homeschool. Well, you know what? School choice. You know, at least in my state, you can have other kids, uh, and you know that are not related to you in your homeschool. You know, they have a limited uh, number, so you know people can start creating alternative schools where they have classes of you know, six students, you know, maximum of six students, you know, maybe two households or three households, if you only have two kids, get together, six students, and then pay, you know, the, uh, you know, somebody to educate the kids, you know, um, a stay-at-home mom, you know, um, that you just happen to be friends with, or a stay-at-home dad, you know, a family friend, and then you decide, hey, let's homeschool, uh, you know, our three families will get together. We'll pay you to educate the kids. You know, well, then you start realizing, you know, just how much you can provide better funding for the kids in that environment. You know, because you're taking someone who is probably, you know, with no job and yet living in the household as a stay at home, you know, parent while the other one was already working, you know, funding everything. And so you do that, you provide them some income, but then you have more money because you're not paying for the big buildings, the buses, and all of that. So more of the money goes towards education and providing compensation to the person who is teaching. This, you know, I I think this would not only improve education, you know, and, you know, get away from the left-wing indoctrination, but the effects on the economy you know, stuff that are going towards, you know, the actual school supply, providing income uh, to the stay-at-home, you know, uh, parents, you know, and all of that would be, you know, very good, you know, because they are educating and providing a superior form of education. They can get out of the classroom, do more nature stuff, you know, uh, more natural science, you know, uh, go on uh, more field trips, you know, buy more, you know, activity kits to reinforce the lessons. Any way you slice it up, that would be superior. But that would also mean Democrats would give up control and power over being able to tell your kids what to think, what to do, to be able to reinforce leftist ideology through punishment. Because they can't convince you. They can only punish you for not going along with the program. Okay. All right. So there was a lot more uh, that I was going to go ahead and try to get to, but I wanted to keep some of these episodes short, you know, shorter and not go to the full hour long episodes uh, that I have been doing. And if I, based off of the time here, woo. Okay, based off the time here, if I got through the rest of this stuff, it would be well over an hour. So some of the stuff I'll carry over uh, into the next episode along with, you know, whatever else is new uh, that is happening. All right, but I think I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. I didn't even, I only got through 40% of what it is I wanted to talk about. I need to scale back a little bit, try to shorten up and be a little more concise, but I really want to be able to go through and explain fully my thought process. Okay, 
So anyways, yes, school choice, have the money, follow the kids. Parents get to choose the school, you know, fund the school, get homeschool, you know, provide income to the parents to homeschool their kids, you know, and be able to provide for, well, a superior education. You know, it would be great for the economy. It would be great for uh, decreasing unemployment. It would be great for strengthening the family as, you know, as at least one parent will be able to spend more time with their kids. You know, um, I really don't see any uh, drawbacks. You know, and you know what? I wouldn't mind if on the STEMs, you know, math, reading, sciences, if the state wants to go through and say, you know, we want to be able to test their progress to make sure that they are, you know, you're actually teaching them. You know, I'm fine with that as long as the test is free of left-wing ideology or the left trying to enforce their ideological beliefs that don't match facts or reality. Okay, uh, so that's it uh, for this episode. I'll try and get uh, to everything else, you know, in a bonus episode. All right, so I want to thank you so much uh, for watching. Go ahead, hit the subscribe button. Subscribe just means follow on the video platforms. Give me a thumbs up. Leave me some comments. If you're listening to the audio version of the show, hey, that's great. Leave me a rating and review. Please share this on Parlor Gab, Minds, and MeWe. If you can, you know, share this, if you can find a way to share this on Facebook and Twitter, assuming that it's not blocked, hey, that would be great as well. You know, although I don't know why anybody listening to the show is still on Facebook and Twitter. Whoa, dropped it. Um, You know what? I'm not going to edit that out. You know, mistakes happen. I'm going to let you see the mistakes. So I don't know why you're still on, on Facebook and Twitter funding the left's ability to attack us. But if for some reason you are and you find the show there, okay. You know, I'm posting this there, hoping to convince you to leave those platforms and go to where there's free speech and support free speech. All right. So thank you so much. And I will be back again soon.